Good morning, church. Um, today I'm going to be talking about prayer. And I have a couple opening uh, thoughts before we do that. We have been talking about covenant. And so why spend two months on covenant and then go into prayer? Well, an important part of prayer is knowing A, who you are in Christ, and knowing B, how much God wants to answer your prayers. To know God's promises, what he has focused on from before the creation of the world, and that focus was on you. You are that important. And God loves you that much. So covenant is important in that we understand how serious God is about his commitment to us, to his commitment to you. This morning... I'm going to be dissecting what I will call effective prayer. I define that prayer that works. However, I I do need to caution us that while understanding how prayer works, to pray more effectively can be helpful. Effective prayer is not, excuse me, I got to get this out of my face. Effective prayer is not the result of, thank you, is not the result of a formula. Effective prayer is the result of relationship with God. A relationship that comes through relationship relationship with Jesus Christ. A A relationship that is alive and growing and is enhanced by daily prayer, daily communing, you could say, with God, and is enhanced by the regular reading of God's word. And why is this so? Well, as we read the God's word, we understand better who God is. We understand his covenant with us better. We understand his intentions better. We understand his will better. And as we commune with him daily, we learn to recognize that still soft voice. So when when he says, this is the way, walk in it, there's no doubt in our mind, this is what God wants us to do. Before we begin, though, please allow me to give you Wayne's definition of prayer. This is a very deep theological sentence. Prayer is talking with God. That's what prayer is. It's talking with God. It's pouring out your heart to him and listening as he pours out his heart back into you. And that comes as a result of relationship. So if you want to be a more effective prayer, it's good to know what the Bible says about prayer. But if you want to be a more effective prayer, 
grow a more, a, a more intimate relationship with the one who answers those prayers. All right, let's begin. We're going to start in James chapter 5, verses 13 through 18. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil and in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he commits sins, he will be, if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. The King James says it somewhat like this, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. However, when we look at that, we, have, we, we talk about those two words, effective, uh, I'm sorry, fervent, effectual. That's only one word in the Greek. That word is energio. And it means to be active or efficient, to work effective, effectually in, successful in producing the desired or intended result. Now, I don't know about you, but I surely want to be a more effective prayer. I am not satisfied with my prayer life. I am not satisfied with the results of my prayer life. God has been so good to me. I am not complaining. But I want to be more in line with what God is wanting to do through my life. He left me here in this world for a reason, and I'm grateful. And I want to take every opportunity to make the most I can of the time that he has given me. So what makes prayer effective? Well, kind of as I started by saying, effective prayer has more to do with the one praying than it does with how we pray. James' message here is clear. If God could could and would answer the passionate, faith-filled prayers of Elijah, a man just like you and me, he will answer your prayers as well. I think, I don't know, sometimes I think, you know, Satan tries to tell us that God, he's not against us, but he's not really for us. He doesn't really love us as much as the Bible says. I don't know if you ever get those thoughts, but I sure do. And the truth of the matter is, no, God does love us. God is for us. God wants to bless our socks off. Hallelujah. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. So James is giving us a very clear message here. The Lord is eager to answer the effectual prayers of ordinary but righteous prayers. we go back, right after that he says, or right before that he says, um, 
And if he has committed sins, he will, forgive, he will be forgiven. Therefore, therefore, when you see therefore, you always got to go back and say, what's the, what is therefore for? Why is that therefore there? And it is because, therefore, if the prayer of faith will heal the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if his sins will and his sins will be forgiven, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you might be healed. Confessing our sins to one another to me suggests humbleness, a humble heart. Not a proud heart, but a humble heart. The effective prayer comes from a humble heart. And that is why we're not heard for our many words. How many words did Jesus say in most of his prayers? Be healed. Your sins are forgiven. Take up your bed and walk. They weren't long prayers, but they were power-filled prayers. Because Jesus had a humble heart. Take, for example, the Pharisee and the tax collector going to pray. Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. He, excuse me. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. I fast twice a week. No, I'm sorry, I got ahead of myself there. The Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, and even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector standing far off would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted Back in James, we read that Elijah prayed fervently. There are two Greek words used in that script, in that in that uh, sentence, that scripture. The first one being prosukame, which means to offer prayers to God. Nothing too astounding there. The second is prosuki, which means prayed earnestly. So he earnestly offered prayers to God. So what does that mean, earnestly? Warmly, zealously, eagerly, with real desire. Well, why would you pray to God that way? Because you expect he's going to hear your prayer and answer it. That's why you would pray to God that way. Earnestly. It's serious business between us and God. And when I say serious, I don't mean depressing or, or thunder and lightning bolts. But it is serious. God takes our relationship with him seriously. It's important to him. So we said that earnest prayer comes from a humble heart. Effective prayer, then, 
is in part earnest prayer that comes from a humble heart. And certainly earnest prayer is important, as is the prayer of faith. Remember, it was the prayer of faith that healed the sick? But this passage seems to indicate that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful. I really believe a lot of times I have faith in God and his willingness to reward a righteous man, but the devil comes and kicks up my past in front of my face. I remember many years ago, right after, not about a couple years after Trish and I were married, we needed to move. And I had to, we had a lot to move, and I had this great big piano, upright piano. And I rented a U-Haul, and I kind of backed it up to the porch. But I never called anybody to come and help me because I just felt like Nick and everybody else's time was so important. Why should I bother them to help me? So after Tricia saw me struggle for an hour getting that piano out of the house and up into the truck, she called somebody who, there was a men's meeting going on, and they interrupted the men's meeting to come and help me move. And that just spoke so much. In the world, I think it's likely that whatever meeting they'd have been at, they would have stayed at, finished their meeting, and then maybe some of them would have come to help. But in this instance, they stopped the meeting where they were at. They all came to my house, and they helped me. A lot of times when we pray, excuse me, a lot of times when we pray, Satan wants to throw up our past, make us feel like we are not worthy for God to answer our prayers. And so it's not a lack of faith in God, but it's, perhaps it's a lack of faith in what God has done in us. I have a tendency to think that I'm not real important sometimes. But it doesn't change how important I am to God. It doesn't change how important you are to God. When you pray, God will listen. When God listens, he hears. And when he hears, it says we have the answers that we have prayed for. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. So don't allow the enemy to steal your blessing. A humble heart is good, but sometimes <laughs> a guilty heart is not. Sometimes it's important to remember who we actually are in Christ and not, and not consider what the world says about us or even what the devil says about us. He's a liar anyhow. Well, I certainly have lost where I am here. <laughs> From Scripture, effective prayer seems to have more to do with the one doing the praying than it does with how we are to pray. We read that in James uh, 
the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. And Peter confirms this in chapter in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and he is his ears are open to their prayer. But the Lord of the face, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. If you are a Christian, you already have right standing with God. He already are righteous. Your sins are forgiven, cast into the sea of forgetfulness. God doesn't remember them anymore. He sees you. He sees Jesus. And he is pleased. That's always the attitude we should take into prayer. That God is pleased with us because he counts us as being righteous. Uh, um, in uh, 1 John chapter 3, verse 22, and it uh, says that, And whatever we ask, we receive of him, because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. Excuse me. You please God. Your sins are forgiven. When God looks at you, you have been faithful to do his commandments. That's why James encourages us to confess our sins to one another and pray for one another so that we may be made whole. Because, you know, confessing our sins not only represents that we, or, or demonstrates that we have a humble heart, but confessing our sins says that we have faith in God to make us whole, to cause us to overcome whatever that temptation has been. And I think in the church, we have too much pride. I'm sorry. But you don't usually, and I'm not saying we should run around and, 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 and shout out all of our failings. But I am saying that we all should have somebody in the church that we can go to. We should have the kind of relationship with them that we can tell them our failings and know that they will not reject us and know that they will pray for us and they will act as God's intermediate for, intermediary for us. That they will direct ours and point our, our, our eyes to Jesus. Sometimes you just need to have, uh, hear the, the physical words from somebody. You are forgiven. And what freedom and power there is in that. And how that frees us up to approach God in confidence. John 14, verses 13 through 14. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Well, just as I gave you my definition of prayer, please allow me to give you my paraphrase of this scripture. If you ask the Father anything according to his will, he will do it. Whenever you read in my name, you should think of with my power of attorney. That's what Jesus is saying. If you will ask the Father for anything that I would ask the Father for, he will do it for you. And I challenge you to show me one place in Scripture 
where Jesus asked the Father for anything that God didn't either grant it for him or showed him how to overcome the situation. The only example is when Jesus said, if this cup could pass from me. He didn't ask the Father to take the cup away. He said, nevertheless, not my will, your will be done. But that's the closest thing that comes to that something Jesus asked for wasn't fulfilled. And it's a great example of of this, praying according to the will of God. But how do we know the will of God? John 5 verses, 1 John 5 verses 14 and 15. And this is the confidence we have toward him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests we have asked of him. So how do we know the will of God? We know the will of God by having a personal relationship with him that is so intimate that we know what God would want done in any given situation, or that the Holy Spirit would whisper to us in that soft, still voice of what God wants us to do in this situation. Relationship is important in being an effective prayer. So then, so now I I, I could, I could, Um, describe effective prayer as zealous prayer prayed by a righteous, contrite, and humble heart that is praying in agreement with God's will and is eager to obtain that which we have asked from him. James chapter 1, verses 6 and 7 says, But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea being driven and tossed by the wind. For that person should suppose that he will receive nothing from the Lord. Oftentimes I need to be reminded that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Because we all the time talk about the prayer of faith. But what is it? What is faith? Faith is that confidence in Christ. That whatever we ask according to the will of God, it will be done for us. That's what faith is. It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen, I think that it probably should say in the Greek or be interpreted from the Greek. I came in here this morning with a hobbled knee. Don't know what happened to it. Don't know why I got it. Don't remember injuring it. And I was praying pretty much the last half of this week, God, how can I go in and pray about faith or or talk about prayer Effective prayer, no less. And here I am limping. And so I've been asking God to heal me. And I've been thanking God for that healing. You see, I have faith. I don't see the evidence yet, but that doesn't mean the evidence isn't there. The evidence is God's promise that by Jesus' stripes, I was healed. That's the evidence. And so I don't know if it'll be before the end of this sermon during communion, tomorrow, but I know God's going to heal my knee. I have the assurance of something hoped for, the conviction of something not yet seen. 
Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists, and he rewards those who seek him. I think you would have to be... I've got to be careful how I say this. You can be very well educated, but I think you'd have to have no common sense at all to not know that God exists. Doctors who have studied the body, anatomy and physiology, to think that somehow some chemicals shook together for a billion years and produced this body, that's not common sense. That's folly. <laughs> you look at anything in our creation. And if you look deep enough, you're going to find that there is no way shake the world as long as you want in your paper bag of chemicals. There is no way you are going to create something this detailed and masterful. It has to have a plan. It has to have had a plan. It has to have had intelligent design. It had to have a creator. And that creator is God. And so, okay, to, to me, it's, it's easy to believe that there's a God, that he is God, that he created all of this. But he also says that we have to believe that he rewards those who seek him. I wonder how many times I have prayed hoping, how many times I have prayed saying, oh God, please do this not really thinking that he wants to reward me for seeking him, but rather hoping that for some reason he will agree to do it. That's not effective prayer. Effective prayer is knowing that God wants to reward you for seeking him. I've heard it said that God wants to answer your prayers more strongly than you want them answered. Romans 10, 17 says, So faith comes by hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. So effective prayer then is a zealous prayer prayed by a righteous, contrite, and humble heart that is praying in agreement with God's will, that is eager to obtain that which we have asked from him and is energized by faith. I could say is powered by faith. We talk about taking hold of by, or the Bible talks about taking hold of by faith, grasping by faith, receiving by faith. It's not just a concept or a thought it's, it's an energy. It's something that reaches out. It's a substance that reaches out and takes hold of. Look at me, if you will, at Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Continuing steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. To continue steadfastly in prayer means to be persistent in prayer. Don't be discouraged. Don't be dismayed. I'm not discouraged. I'm not dismayed by this knee. It's going to get right. No question in my mind about it. 
The Greek word for watchful here in Colossians chapter 4 two is gregario. And it means to be watchful, alert, vigilant. So Paul is teaching us that because faith is the evidence of things not seen, that if we have faith, we will be attentively watching for the answer in an attitude of thanksgiving, knowing, knowing that we have already received the answer, even though we have not yet seen its manifestation. I know this knee is healed, even though I still limp, even though it still sometimes causes pain. I have already received that. And so the manifestation has to follow. Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 8 says, And he told them a parable to the effect that we ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in the city who kept coming to him saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet this widow keeps bothering me. I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear the unrighteous judge says. Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? My healing's coming soon, folks. I'll tell you, he will give the justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, the son, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Sometimes, like Abraham, the answer doesn't come on our timetable. And we start to doubt. But that's not the time for doubting. That's the time for rejoicing. That's the time for thanksgiving. Because God's word is yes and amen. If he said it, that settles it. So we understand then that effective prayer is zealous prayer, prayed by a righteous, contrite, and humble heart that is, in pra- that is praying in agreement with God's will, that is eager to obtain that which has been asked of him, that is energized by faith and due to faith is giving thanksgiving to God while vigilantly watching for the answer. And finally, in John 16, verses 23 through verse 24, in that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name, Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. So we pray to the Father in the name of Jesus, which means we pray to the Father. I'm sorry, I just had an amusing thought. You know, how many times we pray and we say, in Jesus' name? And does that, does that make it in Jesus' name? Does that make it God's will? for the situation? I don't think so. I don't think the phrase in Jesus' name impresses God at all. I think what impresses God is a righteous heart calling out to him that his will would be done here on earth as it is in heaven. So in conclusion, (laughs) the prayer they pray 
zealously from a righteous, contrite, and humble heart, praying in agreement with God's will, eager to obtain that which they have asked of him, through the energizing of their faith and due to the faith and due to that faith, are joyful, giving thanks to God while vigilantly looking for the manifestation of the answer, receiving that which they have asked, and God so generously gives. That's an effectual prayer. Prayer. To my mind and my belief, that is a prayer that God delights to answer. I could go on and on and on dissecting prayer. Somebody told me, Bob Heil told me, he told several people, he said, uh, the mind cannot comprehend what the butt cannot endure. I think he might have used a different word for butt, but the seat, what the seat cannot endure. But again, effective prayer doesn't come from formula. And to be honest, it doesn't even come from understanding prayer. It comes from a humble heart that is righteous before God and wants to see, desires to see, longs to see God's will accomplished on earth as it is in heaven. Father, in the name of Jesus, I am just overwhelmed by how wonderful and righteous you are, by how loving you are, by how much you love us, and by such importance that you place upon us, Father, that you delight in us so much that you take joy in meeting our needs that you take joy in answering our requests, that you take joy in spending time with us, in communing with us. Father, we all want to be more effective prayers. We all want to see your will done on earth as it is in heaven. We ask you, Father, not just in the name of Jesus, but according to his will, that you would empower us and strengthen us and encourage us to be effective prayers, to seek that will, to see your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Holy Spirit, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would touch every heart here that that which they have heard in their ears and are comprehending in their minds, that you would take that and put it in their spirits, in our spirits, in our heart, that we would be more effectual servants in your kingdom. And Father, I have no question that that's a prayer that pleases you. And I have no doubt that you will answer that. In Jesus' name, amen.